Well, today I'm going to be continuing our message series on Abraham uh, from the book of Genesis. It's called Hearing God's Call. And as we've gone through this story, chapter by chapter, we've seen God appearing to and talking to Abraham multiple times. James 2.23, and I'd encourage you to follow along in the handout in your bulletin. You can pull that out, and it has the outline, the scriptures there on the back of some study questions that you can do on your own, or we'll be going over them in a number of the life groups. James 2.23 says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. And so Abraham was a man who believed God for the impossible. He was a, a man of faith. But this verse tells us something else. We see that the scripture is calling Abraham a friend of God. And so what is a friend? A friend is somebody that you know deeply. It's somebody that you have an affection for. And what do friends do? Well, friends spend time together. Friends talk to one another. And so when the Bible calls Abraham a friend of God, not only does it mean that Abraham loved to talk to God and considered God his friend, but God loved to talk to Abraham and considered Abraham his friend as well. And so today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 18, and our message is entitled, Talking to God. And from this example we're going to see of Abraham and God and their friendship, we're going to learn how we can grow in our relationship with God as our friend as well. Friends engage in two-way communication. Friends share life together. Jesus said in John 15, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So let's unpack these verses a little bit more to understand what it means to be a friend of God. First of all, Jesus here says that you are my friends if you do what I command you. And so we learn right away that being a friend of God does not mean we are on equal terms with God. God is just not our buddy on equal terms with us. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus is, first of all, our Lord, and we are to obey him. We are to do what he commands and when we are obedient, we qualify as his friend. If somebody isn't obeying him, uh, if somebody's not in a relationship with him, then they can't be his friend. You can't be a friend of God if you're disobedient. But next, Jesus explains the difference between being a servant and a friend. A servant simply does what he is told. The master says, do this, and you say, yes, sir, and you go and do that. Now, of course... Jesus wants us to serve him, to do as he commands. But a servant isn't taken into the confidence of the master. A friend, on the other hand, they do what God commands, and Jesus explains to them what God is doing. And we're going to see an example of that in the life of Abraham today. And so as a friend of God, your communication or your prayer to God, is to be two-way communication, just as a friend talks to another friend. If you have a friend, and all they do is talk to you, and you never get a chance to talk back to them, is that a very good friend? Not really. Or you do all the talking, and they never get a chance to talk to you, that's probably not going to last very long. 
true friendship is a two-way communication pattern. And so God wants to reveal to us what he is doing. Why? So that we can pray effectively, so that we can follow his directions, so that we can build our relationship together. And our prayers, in order to be answered, need to be prayed according to God's will. It's not just anything we can dream up and, God, I'd like this, God, I'd like that, please do this. No, our prayers have to be prayed in accordance with God's will. And so as we talk to God as a friend, he will reveal to us what his will is in different situations of life. And as we pray for God's will to be done in our situations in life, in our church, God will answer those prayers that are prayed according to his will. And so as we grow in our relationship with God as a friend, we begin to know better and better what his will is for us, for our church, for our families, for our lives. And so today we're going to learn more about friendship with God from the life of Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. Now in the first, it's a long chapter, so we're not going to be able to read all the verses this morning. I encourage you to read it on your own, Genesis chapter 18. In the very first Verses of Genesis chapter 18, we see that three men come to visit, or they appear to be three men, come to visit Abraham and Sarah in their tent. And as the story goes on, we learn that two of these beings that look like men are angels, and the third was the Lord himself. And the Lord wanted to talk to Abraham and Sarah, and so Abraham invited the men to stay and share a meal with them. Now, why did the Lord come to visit Abraham and Sarah? Well, he wanted to fulfill his promise for them. And so we'll pick up the story in verse 9 of chapter 18. They, as these men, said to him, to Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, if you've been with us as we've gone through the series, we've learned about the promise that God had given to Abraham and Sarah, that they would have a son, a son of promise. And we've seen the different things that have seemed to delay or uh, cause that promise not to be fulfilled. But now here we get the most detailed information about God's promise to them about this coming son. God told them now within a year, it's the first time we ever get a time frame in when this son is coming, within a year the son would come and he would be born to Sarah. And so God had come to Abraham and Sarah to encourage them that the fulfillment of the promise, which had seemingly been delayed for years and years, was finally not going to come to pass. And it was going to come to pass within a year. And so we've learned multiple times as we've gone through the story of Abraham and Sarah that we're being taught not to doubt God's words. And here again, we're going to have an example where some doubt creeps in. Verse 10, and Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him as the Lord spoke to Abraham. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? So at this time, we know that Abraham was 99 years old. Sarah was 89 years old. She'd long been in menopause, and she knew she was too old to become pregnant. They understood those things back then. And so she laughed to herself. Why did she laugh? Well, this was an impossibility. How could this possibly happen? How could this promise be fulfilled? They've been waiting for years. Uh, it hadn't happened, and it was not getting closer. They were getting older. With every year that passed, it was becoming more and more impossible. 
Now, she was in the tent. She didn't think the Lord would hear her laughter, but of course, God knows everything. And he heard her laugh in disbelief. But nothing is too hard for God. The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child? Not that I am old. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. And so the Lord knew that Sarah had laughed, and he spoke to Abraham about it. He asked Abraham a question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And of course, what's the obvious answer? The obvious answer is no, nothing is too hard for the Lord. The Lord created heaven and earth. The Lord created Abraham and Sarah. He created everything we see. He created the entire universe. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. The Lord again repeated this prophetic word. Within a year, I'm going to return and Sarah will have a son. And we know from previous encounters with the Lord, the son would be named Isaac, which means he laughs. And so God was coming to remind Sarah and Abraham that nothing is too hard for God. Now, as we've gone through the story over the years, over the decades, this promise was given and Abraham and Sarah, they struggled with doubts. They struggled with doubts whether this promise could actually be fulfilled. It seemed like such an impossible promise. And yet one of the encouraging aspects of this story is that God didn't give up on them. God didn't give up on, their, on his promise to them even when they doubted. He kept on encouraging them to believe. And, and we read in the New Testament that the promise was ultimately fulfilled because of the faith of both Abraham and Sarah. And so despite their doubt, despite Sarah laughing, their faith grew until it was strong enough to receive the promise. And so whatever promise you are waiting on God to fulfill in your life, don't beat yourself up if you have some doubts sometimes. Abraham and Sarah had doubts. God didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm done with you now. The sun isn't coming. You doubted me. You laughed. It's all over. No, he didn't. He encouraged him. He said, no, believe me. Nothing is impossible for me. All things are possible for me. And God says the same to us today. Nothing is too hard for him. Keep on talking to God. Keep on listening for him to encourage you. Ask him to strengthen your faith so that you can receive the promises that he has for you. And I believe that he will because nothing is too hard for God. Now, as your friend, God wants to share his secrets with you. Continue the story in verse 16. Then the men set out from there and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham, what I am about to do. And so now the topic of our story this morning shifts from the promise, the promise of a son to Abraham and Sarah, to the city of Sodom. If you remember, Sodom is where Abraham's nephew Lot went to live with his family. And God desired to share his plans about Sodom with Abraham. Why? Because they were his friends. And God shares his secrets with those who walk close to him. God shares his secrets not just to satisfy our curiosity. God shares his secrets so that we can cooperate with him, so we can cooperate with God's plan in our 
prayers and in our actions. God shares his secrets with us so that we can even instruct our children in his ways. Verse 19, the Lord continues to speak. He says, for I have chosen him, that's Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. And so this really is the reason that God desires to share his future plans regarding Sodom with Abraham. God had chosen Abraham to teach his children to keep the Lord's way so that the promise would not just end with Abraham, that it would be passed down to succeeding generations. And so in order to instruct his children in God's ways, Abraham needed to understand God's ways. He needed to hear from God. He needed to understand why God did things and how God did things. He needed the Lord's revelation to guide his prayers, to direct his prayers. Verse 20, then the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Now, the Bible teaches that when evil people steal, kill and destroy their victims, cry out to heaven against them. In fact, in the book of Genesis, when Abel murdered was murdered by his brother Cain, the Bible says that the blood of Abel in the ground cried out to God. It was a cry to heaven because something very terrible had been done. And so the great evil, the great sin in Sodom had led to a great outcry to heaven, an outcry for judgment to come. And God tells Abraham that he's going to further investigate this outcry. Now, of course, God already knew the answer. He already knew everything that was going on in Sodom. But we're going to see in another Sunday, the investigation by the two angels is going to tell us the story of the great wickedness in Sodom. And it's going to be a lesson for us today as well. And so God still shares his secrets with believers today. God doesn't answer every question we may have. There's all kinds of things people want to know. God, is this true? God, why are you going to do this? And God is... You know, what 666 mean and all kinds of things. People want to know all kinds of curiosity. God is not going to answer every question that you may have. But he does share supernatural knowledge with those who are his friends who are walking closely with him. And the reason that God shares secrets with his children, it's always for a purpose. So that you can better carry out God's plan for your life. The New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists a number of spiritual gifts in which God reveals supernatural knowledge to believers who are seeking him. We see examples of those spiritual gifts being used uh, by Jesus and the disciples in the four Gospels and by many others in the book of Acts as we read through and into the letters of Paul. Just a couple of examples. One is the word of knowledge. God shares secret knowledge which you could not have otherwise known with your minds. It's closely related to the gift of prophecy in which God shares his word with a person to tell someone else. The secret that God shared with Abraham, we might call a prophetic word of knowledge. What was going to happen in the city of Sodom, to the city of Sodom. Another spiritual gift is the word of wisdom where God gives supernatural direction on how to handle a particular situation. He gives wisdom to people that they would not otherwise have. 
A fourth revelatory spiritual gift is discerning of spirits, where God reveals a spirit working in a situation or in a person. Of course, this is a huge topic that we're not going to dig into any deeper this morning. But the Bible commands believers to earnestly desire and seek after spiritual gifts. It's not like, hey, if God wants me to have it, I'm going to have it. No, we're commanded to earnestly desire and seek after those gifts. And those gifts can operate within the church. They can operate in our lives as we seek God to hear from him and we grow in our friendship with him. And so in Abraham's case, God shared a prophetic word of knowledge so that Abraham could intercede for those who were facing judgment. The story continues in verse 22. So the men turned from there and went towards Sodom. These are the two men who were angels. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Now, it doesn't seem obvious to me from what the Lord shared with Abraham that he was going to destroy Sodom. But apparently it was very obvious to Abraham. Now, he knew how wicked the city was. He knew Lot was living there, and I'm sure he heard stories and things going on. He knew that this was not a righteous city. And undoubtedly, this was a city of thousands of people. Abraham knew that God was going to destroy Sodom. Why did he, why did Abraham care a lot? Why did he care about it? Because his nephew Lot was living there with his family. And if judgment fell on Sodom, Lot and his family would be wiped out. Now, Abraham undoubtedly knew that Lot made a poor choice to live in Sodom. Lot undoubtedly was not in the center of God's will, and yet he still cared about him, and yet he still interceded for the Lord on Lot's behalf. And so Abraham begins by asking if God will destroy Sodom if there's just 50 righteous people there, probably a very small percentage of the people there. And how did God answer? Well, God answered his prayer. God answered his question. The Lord said in verse 26, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their, for their sake. Now this is actually a, a very important principle that the Lord reveals here to Abraham. God will spare a city or a nation if he finds enough righteous believers living there. We are the salt of the earth. We we hold back God's destruction as believers as we follow him righteously. Believers in a city or nation help protect it from God's judgment. Sodom, as I said, was undoubtedly a city of probably thousands of people, and yet Abraham was uncertain whether God could find even 50 righteous in the city. Well, Abraham was persistent in his prayer. He didn't stop there. Verse 32, and if you read the entire passage, you see in the verses we're skipping over for sake of time, Abraham repeated his quest, request for God to spare Sodom. First he started with 50, and then he said, if there's 45, will you spare the city? 45 righteous. God said, yes, I will. He said, Is there, if there's 40 righteous people in the city, will you spare it? God said, yes, I will. If there's 30, God, will you spare? Yes, I will. If there's 20, God, will you spare? Yes, I will. And then we come to verse 32. Oh, Lord, not 
let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again, but this once. Suppose ten are found there. And he answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And so in a couple of Sundays, we're going to find out how many righteous were found in Sodom. And you probably know the answer. But today we see the Lord sharing his secret of coming judgment with Abraham. And Abraham interceding with God to spare the city on account of the righteous, including his nephew Lot. And to give away a spoiler, Sodom was not spared, but Lot and the believing part of his family were. Second Peter chapter 2 tells us that Lot was righteous and he was tormented by the depravity of, of Sodom. And Abraham interceded, he talked with God. One might even say he bargained with God to save Lot and his family. And even though Lot had made a poor choice, even a sinful choice where to live, Abraham still cared about him. And people around us have made wrong choices. They've sinned. They've got themselves in all kinds of predicament, but God wants us to intercede for them. God wants us to care about them. And our lesson is that God would share with us concerning who we are to intercede for. Intercession is praying for another person. We get all tied up with just praying for ourselves and our needs, but God wants us to intercede, to pray for others. To intercede that God will bless another person, that God will heal another person, that God will set another person free, that God will protect another person. All different kinds of things that we can intercede for people. And you notice that as Abraham talked to God, God answered him. It was a conversation. And God wants to answer us today. He wants to talk to us. It's two-way conversation. That's what God intends prayer to be. And if your prayer is simply, God help me do this, and all you hear is silence, then there's, there's something wrong. God is speaking. We need to open our ears to hear what he's saying to us. Ask him to help you if you're having trouble hearing him. And God speaks most clearly to those who are walking close to him. If you have unrepented, of sin, and unrepented sin in your life, it's going to be hard for you to hear God. But if you're seeking to do his will, be persistent in your prayer. Believe that if you don't give up, the answer will come in God's timing. And so God wants to talk to us. That's what we're talking about today. Conversation with God. God wants to talk to us. He wants to talk to you about the promises that he has for your life. God wants to share his secrets with you. So that you understand his plan for your life. God wants to share his secrets with you so that you can intercede for others. And so this morning. This is an interesting story, but how will we respond to God's word? Perhaps you need to make a renewed commitment to spending daily time talking to God. Away from the hustle and bustle of everything else, the Bible talks about getting into our closet. Now, it doesn't have to be a closet, but getting away from everything else and spending focused time talking to God. Maybe you've gotten discouraged with God's promises for you and it seems like nothing is happening and you need to make a renewed decision to believe God's promises once again for your life. Maybe you've been trying to carry out God's plan for your life without 
God's spiritual gifts, without his supernatural power, without his supernatural knowledge. And God wants you to desire and seek after his gifts so that you can discover his secrets. Or maybe, as we've mentioned before, your prayers are simply, God, help me. And there's nothing wrong with asking for God's help in your own life. But God wants you to expand your prayer life to intercede for others on a regular basis. Now, at the bottom of your study notes, you might look there, and it's there every Sunday, but I'm just going to point it out today. There's a couple blank lines, and it says, how will I obey God's word this week? Let's just take a few seconds now and ask God and write something down. What is God speaking to you this morning? Jot down what he's speaking to your heart. Because I believe God is speaking to each and every person here. And it might be you just circle one of the points here and that's what God is speaking to you. It might be something else. But God wants you to hear what he's speaking to you this morning. And he wants you to respond. For some, your response should be to make the very first step to becoming a friend of God. To become a friend of God, you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you do that, first of all, by admitting that you've sinned. Sin, in its essence, is following your own plan for your life rather than God's plan. Secondly, you believe that Jesus died to forgive your sins, rose from the dead three days later. You put your faith and trust in him. You commit your life to following him as your Lord and Savior. Let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus Christ for the first time this morning, I encourage you to pray along with me. Or perhaps you want to recommit your life to him. You strayed away and you want to recommit your life. I encourage you to do that as well. Pray something like this in your mind. God knows what you're thinking. Say, Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my own plan for my life rather than yours. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, that I might be forgiven. I believe he rose from the dead. He's alive today. And I commit myself to following him as my Lord and Savior, to following his plan for my life, to living my life as a friend of God from this day forward. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you, God, for helping us to learn more about you and friendship with you from this story of Abraham and Sarah in your word. And today we make a renewed commitment to spending quality time talking with you each and every day. In fact, we ask for your help to learn how to pray without ceasing, to pray continually. Forgive us for letting other priorities take your place in our lives. Today we affirm what you said to Abraham thousands of years ago. That nothing is too hard for you. We believe that you will fulfill your promise for our lives. Help us to overcome the doubts that we have. Help our faith to grow stronger. And God we earnestly desire for you to share your secrets with us. Because we want to know what you're doing in our world. We want to know what you're doing in our lives. We want to know your plans that we're supposed to follow. 
God, we desire your spiritual gifts operating in our lives for our guidance and for others as well. Help us to have a heart of compassion, God, to intercede for those around us, those who are lost, those who are sick, those who are in bondage, those who need to be part of your family. We ask you, God, to hear our prayers and to give us the privilege of discipling more people for Jesus. We ask for you to prepare a harvest for us to reap, God, through our partnership with Network 211. We thank you for the harvest that's being reaped around the world. And we ask for a harvest right here in St. Louis. God, we pray that many people would come to you, that many people would be healed and delivered and become part of your family through this partnership. We know it's not just a matter of computers and buttons. It's a matter of your spirit working and energizing everything that we do. We thank you for what you're going to do. We give you the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.